Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. We go to work and when we're off, we whine about our day. We sip our cares away and you can do the same because you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Welcome, Welcome to, to Whining with whining Nurses. With nurses. I'm, I'm Sarah. Jinx. <laughs> you owe me some wine. <laughs> well, uh, wait, to, wait, wait. Before uh, we open anything, I just want to, I know we posted this on socials, but congratulations, Kat, on getting a Daisy Award. Oh, oh thank boy. you so much. That was That's really exciting. Yeah, it was an um, incredible experience, honestly. I was like in a patient room doing good patient care and taking my time. <laughs> and like it, my patient had just gotten to an epidural. So um, I was doing her Foley catheter and talking to her. And then the anesthesiologist pops in to make sure everything's doing okay and says, oh, you know, my manager wants to talk to you for a second when you're done. I'm like, okay, well, you know, whatever. And so <laughs> then my manager pops in like a few minutes later, you really need to come out like, uh Oh, <laughs> this is not good. And it was like change of shift. So there's like 20 people out there. So I walk out with my urine <laughs> specimen and everyone's staring at me with a big Daisy poster. And man, it was, uh, and then you can see from the video, um, kind of what happened then, but it was really, really fun. I mean, I'm very honored. Yeah. Yeah, Did you know you were really going to get it before you got it? No, I had no idea. I know I was nominated like four months ago. Um, huh. But I figured, I mean, I, I don't really know much about it, and like when they choose and how often they do it. So, um, and then lately they've been giving people like, oh, you were kind of chosen, but, or you were nominated, but we, you weren't picked. So they gave some people like months and months ago while I was still on orientation their note what the patient said and they were you know they were nominated anyway but I never got anything I went oh okay well either that's good or bad and then I just kind of let it go never thought about it again until I walked out and was very surprised but it was very very special um and yeah it was was great I'm truly honored so yeah thank you so much (laughs) Let's open some wine, but I want to hear, because you know what you were nominated for, right? And I, you sent me a video and I couldn't really hear it very well. So then, but I want to hear like what happened, like what got you nominated? Oh, so there was a patient getting a C-section for the very first time um, and her husband were nervous and I just really talked them through the whole thing and what to expect, really made sure that both mom and dad, um, felt heard and listened to, that's the same thing, and answer their questions. Um, And so what they, they kind of wrote this paragraph and then they said that they chose me because I really made the dad feel involved and taken care of and heard, which a lot of the focus on labor and delivery is the mom. And so I really took the time to make sure both parents felt you know, it's a surgery and it can be nerve wracking. So I, um, yeah, yeah. I tried to always do my best for that. So. Oh, that's so cool. 
That's really nice that that stood out to them and enough to write something about it. That's really sweet. Yeah, yeah, it was really special. So, Good job, Cat. Yeah. And they Let's gave have me some wine. Yeah, they gave me like these delicious <laughs> Daisy cookies, which I wish I could share with you right now because they were fantastic. <laughs> Oh, Anywho, that sounds let, good. Let, let us do share wine. I wish all of y'all could see this, but I have this super cute Christmas glass. Oh, that is cute. Isn't it nice? What you got in there? I have some, I don't, I can't recall if I've had this before or not, but it's Geyser Peak Winery, established in 1880. It's a Sauve Blanc from 2021. And it says it's bright, lively, crisp. Delicate fruit and floral notes, and it's from California. Oh, nice. Have you had this before? Um, I've seen that label, but I don't think I've had that one before. Is yeah. it from Geyserville? Um, it sounds like it. <laughs> and is that a backup bottle of wine that I see behind you for when you finish the first one? <laughs> That's for the second <laughs> episode, but... <laughs> Yeah, in case I finish the entire bottle, then that then I I have another one. I also have two more in the kitchen, so you know we'll be fine. Woo, let's enough. party. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah it's actually it's really good. I did have a few sips already, and it's I really really like it. I'm like really harsh at judging or looking at the label and like oh mm-hmm. that doesn't look very attractive, but this is very good for what huh. the la- which sounds bad, but the label is fine. It's just like. To me, it's not my aesthetic, you know, just silly. But anywho, what are you yeah. drinking? <laughs> I, I agree with you. I can see what you mean about the label. I wouldn't have been like turned on to it either, but I'm glad mm-hmm. you gave it a chance and you like yeah. it. This is an, a wine also I picked. Well, I picked this one because of the label. So uh, I went to grocery outlets. Sometimes they have good wine specials and it's hit or miss. And um, anyway, I kept passing this wine bottle. It says chocolate shop. See, it looks like uh, chocolate. Oh. And um, I was like, no, that looks mm, like not for me. That doesn't look like it's for me. But they have so many bottles of it. They have cases and cases. So it was on this aisle and on the end of that aisle. And then it was in their wine aisle. And I saw it so many times that it finally wore me down and I just got a bottle. <laughs> I feel like that's not a good thing, right? If they have like so much like surplus. But well, how is it? We shall see. Oh. It smells very, very chocolatey. Hang on. Let me tell you a little something about this. Red wine with natural chocolate flavors. Uh, Does it say where it was bottled or anything? Bottled by Chocolate Shop Wine in Walla Walla, Washington. Oh, that's fun to say. Doesn't say anything about the year. Mm. Anyway, I'm just going to pour a little. It smells really strong like chocolate, and I'm not sure if I'm going to like this or not. (laughs) You get your dessert in a glass, too. Oh, I love those wine glasses. I'm watching hmm. Sarah drink this. It looks very thick. Um, okay. I can think of, like, a bunch of people who would love this. People who want sweet red wines, because there aren't very many sweet red wines unless you get a port or, like, a late right, harvest. Gonna... Um, hmm. Is it taste like What'd chocolate? You say? It tastes like chocolate. It tastes really strong like chocolate. Like it almost tastes artificial, but it says natural chocolate flavors. This is not for me. I'm not going to have any more of it, but I don't want to knock it. Somebody might really love it. Do you have a backup bottle? I do. Yay. So Yay. this one is um, 
Potbelly Vintners. It's from Monterey County. It's Charlotte's Red. It's a red blend, and it doesn't say anything about the year it was made or anything. That's weird. Two bottles that don't say the vintage. Um, but it says it's a blend of Petite Syrah and Cabernet Sauvignon, which those things are right up my alley. Yeah, that it's is weird. I, usually they have the vintage on there. That's strange. Hmm. That has to be the best sound. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best sounds. I must say your baby's first breath is also a fantastic sound. (laughs) Right up there with pouring wine into a glass. Yes. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So what Um, else has been going on besides winning awards and stuff? Oh, you know, I do that all the day like now. (laughs) Oh, just working a lot. I think fully kind of flipped around my schedule. So I'm not working so many days in a row, which is, I feel like on nights, it it feels a lot harder to work a lot of days in a row than, than day shift does. It's like easier because everyone else is working during the day. That feels really normal. Um, but your body always, when you're working nights, your body always wants to be awake in the daytime and everything is thrown off and especially having children, that's just a struggle. So I was able to space out the days that I'm working a little bit more. Um, and that has been a lot nicer. For example, so, I just worked Tuesday night and then I had like two days off and then I <laughs> worked this weekend, but that was really nice. And you're a 0.7, right? So like, mm-hmm. okay, we have the same uh, FTEs. This is nurse talk for people out there who are not mm-hmm. nurses. I don't know what FTE stands for, but Full-time like, employees. Like. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like what percentage of full-time you are. Yeah. So I can go down to a point six. So working six days in a two-week period for everyone that doesn't know what that means. Um, but I can't tell I hit my year mark of doing like okay. L&D. Yeah. Okay. And you're eight hours. And you know what? I just had an idea since we're talking about eight hours and, and shifts that we're working. Why don't we switch the yeah. order of the... So we were going to talk about one thing, but now we're going to talk about this other thing. You all will mm-hmm. never know the difference. Ta-da! <laughs> Podcast magic. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I've never, I haven't worked 12-hour shifts since nursing school. Okay. Because I was an outpatient, you know. Mm-hmm. Have you worked mostly 12s or mostly 8s in hospitals yeah, in your career? Yeah, I work mostly 12s. The only time I've ever worked 8s is when it was a combination of 8s and 12s. So there have been two hospitals that I've worked at that do combos. So you can get actually 40 hours in a week. You can do two 12s, two 8s. Um, that's it. Until I started this new job that's only 8 hours. They only offer 8-hour shifts. So it scared me a little bit, especially because I'm going to be working night shift. I'm I'm still in orientation and I'm on days right now. Um, I feel a little bit... Well, I feel the opposite of you. I think when I'm on night shift, at least when I've done 12-hour shifts, I like to get them all out of the, ro- out of the way in a row. So like I will do three to five nights in a row and just try and stay on that sleep schedule for that time and then have as long of a stretch as I can where I'm back on the regular, you know, awake in the day schedule. Um, But I'm worried about eight hour shifts because it's not like you're just working all night, sleeping all day. You have also another chunk of time that you can be awake or asleep or whatever. Right. 
I think I would feel the same if it was 12s. Um, I was, I did try that in the beginning. So I did almost seven days in a row and then I had a week off. I had like one night off in between, but um, that was just too many. Just too, it was too many nights. How um, many in a row? Well, so I did like three and then I had mm-hmm. one day and then I did four. So oh, okay. that's seven days almost in a row. And it was just too much. It was too much. Um, and it, that's kind of the consensus on my unit. Like they work, most people don't want to work more than two days in a row. And like, hmm. they will also do like three, but like no more than that. So I'm back on the schedule. Routinely, I'll be doing three, but like two, one, uh, three, but no more than three in a row. And I'll give myself myself at least two days off in between. So that is really hard on the schedule as far as like sleeping. Um, but I don't know. I, it's easier in other ways. But again, yeah. I have no experience doing 12s because then you're just sleeping and then you have so much less time yeah. you're, once you're awake. Yeah. Yeah. You're basically, well, at, at least for me, most of the time it was just go to work, come home. Sometimes I would have a little breakfast before I go to bed, but not usually. I would just go straight to sleep, wake up, exercise, eat something, go back to work. Right. Um, it's just like there's no time for anything else in between. Side and note, that- this red wine, this pot belly red is delicious. This is this is my wine. Is this it is totally what? a Sarah wine. Describe it. Describe it. <clears throat> um, so it's... Uh, it's a little bit tannic, but not overly tannic. It's rich. It's got like this really deep, dark purple color. Um, it has like a, a kind of a yeah full mouth feel. And it's almost mm. like leathery like a Syrah, but it doesn't have any Syrah in it. Um, and a little bit, I'll to get back to you on notes, but this is- Tobacco? I just like mostly the <laughs> texture. Yeah, A little bit. Yeah, maybe a little, a little tobacco. Is that, did I always say that? Do I always say it? You're like a leather and tobacco person. <laughs> you describe them often as leather and tobacco. I love it. I love it. It looks delicious. The color is fantastic. I also like old wooden ships. <laughs> <laughs> Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Storygram Network. I was going to say something about, I don't remember, but scheduling or something. Um, yeah, well, it's gone. <laughs> so Sorry. We, we, oh, that's what it was. So <clears throat> what time, when, once you start nights, what, what's your schedule? Like, what's the time start and end? 
uh, like how many days on and off and stuff? No, like so I start at 11 p.m. and oh, I work yeah. until so. Yeah, same. Yeah, okay. I'll start at 10.45 and get off at 7.15. So basically that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah they, we have a, we start at 11 and then we get off at 7.30. Okay. I mean, um, yeah. But I was thinking about eight hours versus 12 hours today because in the past I always thought 12 hours is better for continuity of care because you get to see the patient longer in the day. Um, sometimes it seems like the first eight hours when you're working 12-hour shifts, the first eight hours of the day are just kind of getting to know the patient, getting all the tasks done. And then in the final four hours, you can really do your critical thinking and and make, um, you know, be proactive and make maybe make some changes for the patient. Um, and so I thought that was better continuity of care, like you get more time with them. But I've been thinking more lately, because I'm doing eight-hour shifts, I'm doing more days in a row. And so the patient actually sees the same nurse more days in a row sometimes when you're on eight-hour shifts. And I wonder if that's better continuity of care, just because like I've seen patients from their admission to their discharge sometimes. Right. I think there's pros and cons in both. Um, I think it's probably nicer to not have three different sets of nurses in a 24-hour period. Mm -hmm. But... um, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, did you, when you delivered, uh, when you had your baby, did you have a place where they had three shifts or two shifts at, at 24 So they did hours? 12s. I, okay. Yeah, they did 12s. So I only, but I don't remember. I was there for so many days at this point. I felt like I had a thousand nurses. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I don't really remember them. I remember bits and pieces of some of them. But mm-hmm. it's like when you're laboring, you're so preoccupied about laboring. <laughs> Um, unless one really stands out and did something. Um, yeah, I don't know, but they did 12s and especially like L and D. So we, they're not there for an extended period of time because they're not there because they're sick. So they kind of pop in and out a lot depending on the situation, but like in, just like the babies do. (laughs) Exactly. If you're Um, lucky. (laughs) Right. And but some people that have an induction will be there for like three or four days. So we do see them. And, you know, oftentimes you do work, like you choose to work several days in a row. And then you will see that you often will take the patient back because we are usually given a choice of what assignment we want. Um, so I, I'll usually take a patient back that I had before just for that continuity. Mm-hmm. I already know them, reports easier. Um, and then it's good. <clears throat> and you get to see them deliver, hopefully. But yeah, eights you definitely. There's a lot more turnover for a patient and for a nurse. I think there's um, some downside to that. Mm-hmm. But twelve hours is so long. <laughs> Not that I have a ton of experience doing it, but in school, I just remember, oh my gosh, this is the longest day ever. <laughs> you get used it is to so it, long. but it's so long. <laughs> it is so long. Yeah, the other thing I've noticed with eight-hour shifts, it's. You know, when you're on 12s and sometimes if you're on for a few days in a row and another nurse is on a few days in a row, you're just passing the same patient back and forth days and Mm. nights. And that's really, it's nice because they, you all know the patient, you know what happened the last time you were there so they can just update you. But when there are three shifts, you know, when you're doing eight hours, then, so I'll come in in the morning and the night nurse fills me in on what happened in the evening and overnight. And it's like, 
when I'm doing that for the evening nurse, I'm like, okay, this happened on my shift and then this happened last night or wait, what time did it happen? It's like you're trying to figure out the timeline of everything and fill in for like two different shifts. Anyway, that's a little confusing. Yeah, you're piecing together. Okay, so for PMs, they said this happened, but I wasn't here. So, you know, you have to look into this. And, you know, it's definitely... um, it's definitely, yeah, I don't know. I'm. Do you, would you go back to 12s if you had the choice? I th- I mean, for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm used oh, really? to. And I, I still have the job, the you know, my per diem job where I'm 12 hours. Um, that one is tough because I also have a really long commute. But if there were 12-hour shifts offered at the facility I'm working at full-time now, I would definitely do it. Because the other, you know, pros and cons are like, in my mind, um, you can get your shifts out of the way in fewer days per week, or you can get more hours with fewer days. Um, and that's part of what made me uh, drawn to nursing. It's it's one of the things that drew me to nursing is just that um, compact work week and gives you more days to do all the things that you love. Right now, I'm not so stuck on that because I like just being at home. I'm trying to be a little more settled and less busy because I'm tired. I've been being busy for all my Your life. Whole life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to be, you know, forced to stay home more days. Um, but yeah, I like that. And there was something, oh yeah, you accrue sick time and vacation time and fewer days a week working. But on the other side, if you take a day off, if you miss a day, you're missing 12 whole hours instead of eight. So if you're sick, you miss 12 whole hours instead of eight, and then that's mm. taken out of your paid time off. So That hadn't occurred to me. That's true. That's a really good point. Yeah, that you're missing mm. all that, like PTO. Oh, interesting, yeah. Um, and I guess it depends, like, also how much money do you want to make. So, like, if I, I plan to go down to a point six once I'm eligible to do that, so that'll be the same, like, like if you were 12s and you can do three days a week, a point six, I'll also do three days a week, but eights, but then you're making obviously less money because you're not working as many hours. But let's say money is, you're fine with the pay cut. There are other options, you know, you could still do an eight and work three days a week. So, and yeah, I think eight hours is so nice. A lot of times it goes by so quickly. Do you find that since you're used to twelves? (laughs) It does. I feel like, oh my gosh, I just barely got all this stuff done and it's, and the day's over. Oh, I just got to chart my eyes and nose and then the next shift's coming in. Like, yeah. It's crazy how fast it goes. So you mentioned earlier that the schedule is something that brought you to nursing, but I don't know if I've ever asked you what actually brought you to nursing. Like what what were the other things <laughs> that attracted you? Um, well, when I was really little, I always thought I was going to be a nurse because my mom was a nurse. Um, <clears throat> and so I just assumed and also didn't really know what other career options there were. <laughs> and then <laughs> as I got older, I decided, you know, I wasn't going to go into nursing. I didn't like the idea of blood and body fluids. But then I went to school. I'm sure I've told this story before. So sorry if anybody's heard it before, but um, on the podcast. Anyway, um, I went to school for psychology. I was working in a group home with teenagers. And this nurse was teaching classes to me and the other employees there on med administration. because we had to pass meds to the kids sometimes. And I was like, that's cool. She's a nurse and she's doing like, this is her job. She's teaching a class. And it just made me think there's more to nursing than just, you know, being in the hospital. There's other options. 
Also, my older brother had a lot of friends who were nurses and were travel nursing at the time and going to Hawaii and different places and just living the life and uh, would take long breaks off in between because you made tons of money as a travel nurse back then. When I travel nursed, you didn't really make a ton of money, but now it's come back around again where you do, and I don't uh, I don't, oh my I don't gosh. feel like traveling anymore. <laughs> Our travelers make so much money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, I don't um, think I've ever asked you that. But then, then the last thing was I had a puppy at the time, and he needed his puppy shots, and I was uh, broke because I was working for a nonprofit, and my mom taught <laughs> me how to give him his shots. And I was like, oh, if I can do this for a puppy, you know, put needles in him, and I can probably do it with humans. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Just grab them by their scruff and shoot it in there. <laughs> but yeah, I always, I always wanted to help people. That's why I went into psychology instead of nursing, because I didn't think I could help people in this way with where you have to be up close with their bodies and blood and body fluids. But once I got over that, it seemed like, okay, this is what I've really always wanted to do. Oh, that's a great story. I is like it? that. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm always curious as to why why people get into nursing because it's such a weird, I had this experience recently. I was looking at my charge going, we have such a weird job. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the things that we do, I mean, are, who does this? Like three in the morning, we're just doing what we're doing. I mean, it's so strange <laughs> and we can go into what those things are doing are, but it was just in general nursing is like this weirdest when you stop and think about what you're doing, it's just bizarre. <laughs> like who? I don't yeah. know. There don't are know. a lot of weird things. Um, yeah. But kind of back to the, the eight hour versus 12 hours. And I was talking about continuity of care. And there's another thing that's um, that, that, well, another subject, but continuity of care is related. So um, at the large hospital I work at where I'm per diem, they have a different nursing model than everywhere else that I've worked before. And it was just really foreign to me. And it's called primary nursing. Have you heard of that? I've never heard of primary nursing. I thought we were all pr- the primary nurse. I mean, yeah, what does I'm that even sh- mean? Yeah, I'm sure we talked about this in nursing school because I remember the term, but I just like put it out of my mind. What I experienced in clinicals was the same everywhere. You know, you had a nurse and you had care partners, whether that was a CNA or a tech or some other, a medical assistant depends on where you're working and what the role is and what the title is. But anyway, care partners to help deliver patient care. So another medical professional who's not a licensed nurse they can help with activities of daily living, um, feeding your patient. Um, sometimes like techs in certain places I've worked are able to insert Foley's and remove Foley's and start IVs and remove IVs. So there's um, really a whole scope. Yeah, this was in Virginia. There were techs that could start and remove IVs and Foley's. You had to get checked off, like certified for it, but immensely so they, helpful. Were they licensed? Like, did, did they have a certificate or something or were they... For those skills, they probably had certificates, but they weren't licensed. Um, But also checking blood glucose and checking vitals, all of those things. And when I went to this big facility that I'm still working at, they have the primary nursing model. So there's no CNAs, there's no care partners, no techs. The nurse does all the aspects of care. So you do your nursing job, 
plus you do all the ADLs, the vitals, the blood glucose, all of the little, you know, extra things that like come along with patient care in the day. Oh, I mean, that's what I do. We don't have anyone else that does anything for us except like our, we have techs on our floor, but they don't do any patient anything. What do your techs do? They are in charge of like setting up our dial tables, our delivery tables, or setting up the OR and assisting and like giving all the equipment to the, or the tools to the surgeon. Um, Hmm. They'll like clean the rooms. Um, I don't know, make beds, like, but they don't do anything with the patient at all. Huh. I mean, is it like that hospital? I mean, I mean, they do like- a little, if we ask them to do something, they'll go in and like readjust a monitor or something, but mm-hmm. maybe we are primary nursing. I just like never, I did, that just didn't even occur to me. Do, are there care partners on other units? On, Cause I can see how L and D would be a little bit different. It's, mm. it's like partly procedural and partly like inpatient, but they don't typically stay on your unit. Patients don't stay there for long, right? Right. No, after they deliver, they're there like two hours and go. Um, I have no idea. I've never been to any of the other, except for postpartum. And I also haven't seen any like ancillary aside from maybe, yeah, I don't, I don't think they have anyone either. Okay. So maybe, maybe you guys have the same model. The other aspect of primary nursing is um, that when a patient's admitted, they're assigned a nurse to be their primary nurse. So any day that nurse is working, they're going to be assigned to that patient. And that's to help promote continuity of care, to have someone who's kind of like got the big picture for the patient throughout their whole admission. Um, so that's that was really different. I haven't seen that anywhere else. Yeah, I've never seen that either. And that sounds actually really good as far as continuity. Um and that you really probably, it's probably just beneficial for you pick up things that need to be done and like advocating for the patient better because you know them really well as opposed to constantly changing patients. Huh. Interesting. We, we're definitely not assigned anyone. They're not there long enough, but mm-hmm. huh, interesting. Yeah. So you hit some of the pros. There are definitely cons to that as well. Like, what if you're the primary nurse for a patient that you just don't have a good relationship with, and then you're their pa- their nurse every day? Mm-hmm. What if they hate you? You know, what if you right. just don't have a good rapport? Um, so, also, what if that happens? Can you change, or can you bring it up? To I don't somebody? know. I've never been a primary nurse for anyone there because I'm per diem and, I, and also in the float pool, so I'm somewhere different every day. It just wouldn't work for any of the float pool to be in that role. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you can. I think I've heard. So there are some patients that are admitted to the hospital and stay for years. I'm not kidding. There's like someone at, at that hospital who's been there for about four years now and is not a fun patient to have at all for many reasons. And so I can't imagine someone being that patient's primary nurse for their whole stay. And I think you can. And also, I've overheard people that even for patients that are admitted for kind of a long time, like a month or two, um, you can ask for a break from them for the day. Mm. Yeah. I mean, being assigned to someone for four years, that doesn't sound, I, <laughs> I get where there'd be some benefit to that, but that would be challenging, yeah. especially if it's a really tough assignment 
or you that don't patient get along doesn't well. even stay on the same unit all the time. She gets mm. rotated to different mm. units like every mm-hmm. three months because she's a lot, and it's just it's not right. even fair to ask one unit to manage right. that patient for yeah. years at a time. But the other thing about primary nursing, where there's no care partners, is it's hard. It's so much work. There's so it's, much to do. There's so much to do, and there's like, uh, I don't know. I didn't really like it. <laughs> I don't really like it. I guess I imagine that because we had no care partners, the ratio would be kind of uh, down. Like they would they would change right. the ratio instead of five patients on a med surge unit, there would be four. And when they can, they do, but they can't always. And so sometimes you'll have five patients and you have to do all the things for those patients. Get them up I to the bathroom, feed them. Sometimes you have total feeds. Sometimes you have paraplegic patients or quadriplegic patients and you have to do all of their mobility and it's just a lot of work. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe they don't decrease the ratio. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they do when they can, but it's like hospitals have been so impacted over the oh, past yeah. few years. Like, and sure. nurses have been leaving in droves. So they just- Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. It's a challenge. That's true. Now that you say all these things, I realize that the reason I don't have, we don't have care partners because because of the nature of the job. Like I'm sure the rest of the hospital does, but labor and delivery, we don't really need that because we have one patient, maybe two. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that. They don't need all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't need the type of care. So it's just totally different world. So never mind. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's almost like pack you for babies specifically or something. It's like kind of a critical care for area yeah. for yeah, for, for moms, really. Yeah, like we mm-hmm. don't really care. I mean, we're not really baby. Like I thought, oh, labor and delivery is really big. It's mostly just moms or parents because mm. um, the babies, once two hours, then they go to postpartum. But anyway, hmm. it's interesting. There's so many different ways to do nursing. and That's interesting too. So just two hours and then and then they go to another yeah. unit. Mm-hmm. Unless they're unstable. So we obviously don't transfer if like mom and baby are super unstable or hemorrhaging or something like that. But um, mm. if you after- have a cold baby, that's a term I learned <laughs> oh. recently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't send I transferred a cold, a cold baby, cold to baby once. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, I mean, it, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we have high turnover. I mean, the people are delivering all the time. We can't hold on to uh, all the patients that deliver. We wouldn't have any rooms. We only have ten rooms. Huh. Um, well, ha- interesting. How many, sorry, last question is how many on like the regular floor, how many rooms are there? Uh, wait, at the place where I live close to or? Either, either one, like what's a general, cause I only worked in patient <laughs> L and D. So I don't know, like what's the general amount of beds? Okay. At the hospital I'm at now, there's like, I think 24 beds on the med surge unit and on the tele unit. And then there's eight in the ICU. It's a small hospital. But on the at the other place, there's so many different types of units. So there can be there's like some units with, I don't know, 30, 35 beds. Some of them can be really big. Wow. And those are like not single patient rooms, right? So they're right. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. It's a different worlds. Like we work in different worlds. <laughs> it's just so different. <laughs> anyway, well, this has just been enlightening. There's so much to learn, even when you are a nurse, because like you said in the beginning, there's so many different facets of nursing. So thank mm-hmm. you for the education. That's yeah, thank you. 
And you're welcome to everyone out there listening. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) cheers to Sarah and um, tune in to the next podcast. We're going to be talking about some really interesting topics. Talking into my bottle of wine like it's a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cheers. Bye.